What's the difference between a stick and a branch? A branch is alive. A stick is disconnected. Hey, Becky, you had a story about a stick that acted like a branch. Can you share that? So I went on a retreat last weekend, and it was beautifully decorated. And right up at the podium where the speaker was going to be, they had placed a, a pruned big branch in a bucket of sand and then decorated around it. And they were going to hang candles from it. Well, they did that like a day or two before the retreat started. And that night when we got there, it was covered in cherry blossoms. So that dead stick that they thought was going to go in for all of these candles illuminated into a beautiful cherry blossomed. And so each day, more and more blooms started on that. So by the time that the retreat was over with, it was totally covered with cherry blossoms. So God can take someone that's dead and turn them into beauty. So, yeah, pretty cool. Excellent. And I changed my sermon around a little bit last night after hearing about that last night, so I wanted you to, to hear this, that, that uh, once again, I just need you to know what it says in the bulletin is not what we're doing. <laughs> what are we doing? We are reading the first half of chapter 25, not the second half of chapter 5. I thought I was going to cover most of it last week, but I have just a little bit of cleanup to do. And the difference between a stick and a branch, if you will. So, um, actually, I'm going to go to chapter 24, just really quickly, verse 62, and then I'm going to read from there. We're going to do uh, just uh, a little sort of uh, reacquaintance with the, with the structure of Genesis. Um, remember, I started talking about this Toledot family. These are the generations of, and we're just about to come to the end of one of those Toledotes, and we're going to read two of, start two of them today and finish one. There'll be two genealogies in there, but at the end of each section, there is a statement about something that happened in that one or what is coming. And so here it is. We're in verse 62 of chapter 24. Meanwhile, Isaac, whose home was in the Negev, had returned to Be'er Lahai Roy. Be'er Lahai Roy. Which, if you remember, when, when, or when God told Abraham to send Ishmael away, and they were out in the desert, and they felt like they were going to die, a new name of God was, was revealed when God was talking to Rahab, and he says, I see you, El Roy. This is that well where that God showed her at that time called Be'er La'ai Roy, which means uh, two things. It means the well of him who sees and lives or the vision of life at the well. It can mean either of those things. So this is where we're at. This is at this thing. 
And one evening he was walking and meditating in the fields and he looked up and saw the camels coming when Rebecca looked up and saw Isaac. So this, we just didn't cover this very much last week. She quickly dismounted from her camel. Who's that man walking through the fields to meet us? She asked the servant and, the, and he replied, it is my master. So Rebecca covered her face with her veil. And then the servant told Isaac everything he had done. And Isaac brought Rebekah into his mother's tent, and this is the statement, and he loved her deeply, and she was a comfort to him after the death of his mother. Abraham married another wife, this is chapter 25, whose name was Keturah. She gave birth to Zimram, Jokshan, Midian, Medan, Midian, Ishbak, Shua, Jokshan, was the father of Sheba and Dedan. Dedan's descendants were, were the Asherites, Asherites, Natursites, and the Neumites. Midian's sons were Ephor, Ephah, Hanach, Abdeb, Eldah, and these were the descendants of Abraham through Keturah. Abraham gave everything owned, he owned to his son Isaac, but before he died, he gave gifts. So it says he gave everything he owned to Isaac. But before that, he gave gifts to the sons of his concubines and sent them off to the land in the east. Now, that's a repeat of what happened essentially with Ishmael. I just am kind of coming back to make sure you know that it's said that Abraham sent Ishmael away. But here's the thing. Abraham lived for 175 years, and he died at a ripe old age, having lived a long and satisfying life. He breathed his last and joined his ancestors in death. His sons, Isaac and Ishmael, buried him. So Ishmael, who's been sent away, is here. I just want to say, maybe not quite so cut off as you think. just want to say that. Have you ever felt cut off? Were you as cut off as you felt you were? Are you as cut off from the Lord as sometimes you feel you are? No. So, not quite as cut off as you think. Just say that with me. Not quite as cut off as you think. Here we go. Here's the last statement. After Abraham's death, God blessed his son Isaac, who settled in Be'er Lahai Roy in the Negev. This is the account, Toledo. This is the Toledo of the family of Ishmael, the son of Abraham through Hagar, Sarah's Egyptian servant. Here's a list of their names and clans. I know, you all so excited to read names out loud in the Bible. Just remember, pretend you know what you're doing and go. It's okay, but there's 12 sons of Ishmael. Does that sound familiar? Not quite as cut off as you might think. I just want to hear that, say that over. Not quite as cut off as you think. The oldest son of Ishmael in the clans was Nabaoth, followed by Kedar, Abdil, Mibsam, Mishma, Duma, Masa, Hadad, Tema, Jetur, Nafish, and Kedemah. 
These 12 sons of Ishmael became the founders of 12 tribes named after them, listed according to the places where they settled and camped. Ishmael lived another 137 years, then he breathed his last and joined his ancestors in death. Ishmael's descendants occupied the region from Havilah to Shur, which is east of Egypt in the direction of Asher, where they lived openly in hostility with all their relatives. There's a statement. Yeah. Lived in open hostility with all your relatives. I want to, can I get a collective groan? <laughs> Just like that. But, but we know from the story that he'd been sent away, but maybe not as quite as sent away as the story said, in the same way that there's a, there's a stele or a, a tablet that was found in southern Israel um, that said that in this place, Pharaoh had wiped the seed of Israel off the face of the earth because they'd won a battle once in this little town. But it wiped the whole of them off the face of the earth forever. Maybe not quite so cut off as it made it sound. But then you have family reactions and things like that. I want you to know that the Bible specifically does this over and over, specifically in Genesis. It keeps track of all the family and tells the story of the line of Messiah. Let's get that straight. All of the family is kept track of here. The descendants of, his, of Keturah's sons are kept too. God isn't disinterested in the rest of the family. The story being told here, though, is I, I want to, there, there isn't enough to say this, that the story is being told here about the line of Messiah. And to do that, we're tracking a particular group of family but God didn't go, well, Ishmael, I cut him off. We sent him away. We're not going to talk about him no more. It specifically goes through and does this. Now, here's another Toledot. This is the next Toledot. This is the account of the family of Isaac. Now, now we've had this break. We had a long story about Abraham, and now we're going into a story about Isaac. It will do this again at the Jacob story. But this is the Toledo. When Isaac was 40 years old, he married Rebekah, the daughter of Bethuel, the Aramean from Paddan Aram, and the sister of Laban, the Aramean. It's the first time this, this term comes here. If you have a different translation, it may say Syrian in this location. It's all the same thing. This is what it means later in Deuteronomy when it's describing Jacob as he wanders off into the wilderness, that he will be a wandering Aramean or an Aramean given up for lost. Isaac pleaded with the Lord on behalf of his wife because she was unable to have children. By the way, this is the first time, right, we're, we're familiar with biblical stories about people that can't have babies. This is the only husband actually recorded as pleading with God on behalf of that. just want to say something about Isaac for a second. 
the story is pretty slim on Isaac. It doesn't, I'm not telling you that the other husbands don't plead. They're, this is recorded. Isaac pleaded with the Lord on behalf of his wife because she was unable to have children. The Lord answered Isaac's prayer and Rebekah became pregnant with twins, but the two twins struggled with each other in her womb. So she went to the Lord and said, why is this happening to me? Actually, the Hebrew is, if so, why am I? In other words, this is bad. Why is this happening to me? If this is why I got pregnant, why in the world did you do this? God. Right? You can almost hear it. If so, why am I? And the Lord told her, the sons in your womb will become two nations. From the very beginning, the two nations will be rivals. One will be stronger than the other. The older son will serve the younger son. And that's where I'm going to stop tonight. Stop today. Not quite as cut off as you think. Rebecca was unable to have kids, and kids in the Bible are not just a gift from the Lord, but your future. And if you can't, if you're Sarah and you don't have kids for a long time, or you're Rebecca, or you're Rachel, who we'll hear about in the future days, not having kids is a struggle. And by the way, if you're wanting to have kids and you're alive anytime and you can't, it's a struggle and you feel cut off. I don't know that from my own personal experience. I just know that when I'm going through a horrible time, I feel cut off. I've shared this story a little bit about my older brother who feels cut off by the family. But in fact, my dad has spent 15 years trying to go and solve the problem that the cut offness is in my brother. That's not the same as a medical situation where you feel cut off, but I'm going to tell you that you're not quite as cut off as you feel. But I don't want to move past the feeling of cut off and, and dishonor that feeling in anybody in the room. If you've had that feeling, I want to do that collective sigh and groan for you. Like this. And, and Ishmael and his family lived in open hostility with their relatives. <sighs> Deep, heavy sigh and groan. We live on earth and relationships are broken and our bodies don't always work right. Is there anybody in here whose body has always worked right? No, me either. Not quite as cut off as you think though. That there's there's this question in verse 23, if this, why am I? I just want to spend some time in that moment tonight. If this is what you were going to give me, why? You don't have to raise your hands, but if you feel like it, have you ever felt that way? If this is 
what you were going to do. I've been praying for you to solve the problem, and this is what you do. Thanks. That's the feeling that sometimes happens, isn't it? And God says, yes, I've given you a tremendous gift. It comes on earth, though, and there'll be some issues with it. Inside you are two nations at war. And she felt it, obviously. The God who sees you at Be'er Lahai Roy, where there's a vision of life, sees you and knows where you're cut off. The God who sees you and has life for you knows whether you're a stick or a branch. Knows where you feel like you're a stick when you're a branch. And knows when you're a branch that feels like a stick. Or as the New Testament says, I am the I am the vine and you are the branches. No one can live unless they're in me, right? Vines and branches. I have a shrub I took down yesterday. Yeah. It's a prickly thing. And by the way, the pricklies are still in the ground and it'll prickle for a while. Or as Karen says, I can't wear my standard gardening gloves in there because it goes straight through the prickles, right? And I was hoping to make those branches sticks and disappear. And I did. But they'll pay me back for a while. Our lives are kind of like that, but you're not as disconnected from this Lord as you might think you are. He sees you and has a vision of life for you. And then we have to make some choices. I just need you to know, he knows your name. He knows the struggle. He gives you life. He's tracking you. He's keeping track of you. I almost want to say this. I did this actually with uh, my Bible study class when we, we talked about the Little White Box song. Do you know the Little White Box song? I asked Becky if she would do the Little White Box song for, for me today. Um, the Little White Box song is about our connectedness and the way we live in the thing. Now, I want to say this. I, I want, can you do it like a howler on the, on the Black Box song? No, no, never mind. Not like a metalhead. <laughs> Little white box. Okay, so you need to put your hand up like this, and you need to visualize that you're holding a little white box, okay? Little white box. Oh, yeah. If I had a little white box to put my Jesus in, I'd take him out and and put him right back in. And if I had a little black box to put that devil in, I'd take him out and smash his head, put him back again. 
Okay. So like a howler, like I did with the middle school. With the middle schoolers, are you ready? If I had a little black box, I'd take him out and smash his head! <laughs> right, like a metal head. <laughs> right, for the howlers in our, in our lives. <laughs> Do you know what a howler is? Okay. Let me tell you, so Dave's a metal head. Do you know that? Dave is a metal head. And in metal music, there's a spot in the singing where when the situation is so bad, you can't really explain it. You go, Ugh. and they call that a howler. Only they do it much better. And there was, a, there, were, there was a guy that I really liked his music, and he was a howler. And the way you keep your nice voice and do a howler is you don't do very much howling. And you don't do it for very long, because if you do it for very long, you don't have the voice you started with. But if you're mad and unhappy and feeling cut off and you howl, you're not going to be able to do that very long. It will shorten your amount of life, your, your enjoyment of life. Because, I need to tell you this, you are not as cut off from the Lord as you think you might be. No matter how dark the spot is, no matter what the blind alley is, no matter what the light at the end of the tunnel is, if that is indeed a freight train or not. The Lord sees you and has a vision of life for you. I just needed to say that from last week. Will you pray with me? Lord Jesus, we thank you so much for seeing us. You see us even when we don't react well to that or in our life. We ask specifically that you would be with us and fill our lives with the life that you've promised. That you would cause us, even if we're sticks, to be grafted back in and become branches again in you. In your precious name, amen.